Hello, Tea Crew, and welcome to a brand new episode of Tea Talk with Shah. Today, we're going to be talking about all the trending topics all over social media and the internet. And we're also going to be doing a deep dive into Nickelodeon. What is going on? What's going on with these child stars coming forward? And who is at fault here? Let's talk about it. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Stay tuned. All right, tea crew, there's a lot of tea to spill, so let's get straight into it. So the first topic here, Biggie's daughter posted a $1.5 million bail for her boyfriend in a hit and run case that took place last year in 2020. Basically, what happened was her boyfriend named Tashawn Baldwin um, was involved in a routine traffic stop where he was pulled over for car tents and for exhaust noise, meaning that his exhaust was making too much noise and there's regulations and stuff like that as it pertains to cars that, you know, you drive on the street or the highway that are not on a closed track, right? So he gets pulled over for some minor things and he decides to evade arrest by driving down the street and getting away from the arresting officer. While doing that, he hit a mother and a two-year-old child and they were injured as he fled. Um, He did continue to flee even after he hit them. And this caused him to be involved in the hit and run situation that he's facing right now. Now, the $1.5 million bail was, I guess, allegedly put up by Biggie's estate. Um, which is ran by his mother. Um, And so she was able to have access to that money to get him out on bail as he awaits his trial. You know, social media has chimed in and said that, you know, he needs to be back in jail. He deserves the time. I mean, hitting a mom who was pushing a stroller of a two-year-old child while you're just trying to get out of a traffic stop is, is really crazy. Now, other people have alleged that it's because he had something else going on in the car that if he were have to have been pulled over, it would have been revealed other things that he had going on in the car and different situations like that. And it seems like NYPD agrees because $1.5 million um, bail for a hit and run where no one, um, you know, where there were no fatalities is very, very high. Um, so maybe they might have him in conjunction with something else. And once they get him, you know, in that courtroom, they're going to go ahead and up the charges. We don't know at this point, but people are just like, girl, why are you attached to somebody like that? You know, when you obviously being the daughter of a mega rap icon, that has this kind of money. Why are you even associating yourself with somebody like that? I mean, nobody knows. And of course, you know, he's innocent until proven guilty. He has not been convicted, but the videos have surfaced of the actual event and you can see him. It's tragic, just mowing down the mom and daughter, um, to get away from the cops. So I mean, I'm just glad the mom and daughter survived. This did happen last year. Um, and that they're okay, but I, I completely understand them wanting to get justice for what happened to them. They could have easily been killed in this situation. Um, and so I, I completely understand them going forward and charging him with this, um, you know, attempted, you know, murder, almost hit and run. 
So we'll keep you posted as things continue to come out, if there's more to the story. But as for what we've seen in the videos, it looks cut and dry right now that he literally just tried to get away, didn't notice somebody was crossing the street, and unfortunately hit this family. All right, let's get into the next topic. Tamar has a new man, y'all. His name is Jeremy Robinson. I wasn't able to really dig up that much information on him, but Tammy was there looking fabulous in a tight black dress for her man's birthday celebration. They call him JR. Um, and he, you know, he seems to be paid. So social media has also reacted to this. People are happy for Tamar. People are really like, they really see how like, but she's glowing when she's around him. And this does seem to be a really good thing for the vocalist. Now, it gets a little shady in the way that people thought she was back with her ex, David Alfiso, um, who was a financier, because he had posted something for Mother's Day that included her in the Mother's Day post. And she said they're just friends who had temporarily um, been co-parenting her son. And so that's why he shouted her out for mother's day. But other people thought that that was, you know, an indication that they had gotten back together, but just hadn't told everybody because of the issues that had been going on, um, in their relationship that were televised on her, uh, we show, you know, Tamar under construction like that, you know, the things that happened, you know, her, um, her suicide attempt and just everything that had went into that season. People just did not want to see them back together. So everybody thought they were just keeping their relationship hush hush. When in reality, she's been dating this new guy and the streets are saying that they are already engaged. Now, I know a lot of people feel like that's probably not true and they're just gassing it. But having listened to Tamar's podcast, several episodes, and she definitely talks about even in her like, um, manifest what's it called the <laughs> manifest oh my god even in her like affirmations and things that she would say to herself she would always say like I want a husband I'm not meant to be a girlfriend I'm not meant to be a long-time girlfriend I'm not meant to be a fiance I'm meant to be a wife and I know a lot of people feel like that and she also would say things like you know after a certain age you know what you want if you really want to be with somebody it doesn't take two to three years to decide if you want to marry them um, you know, once you pass 35, it's more of like, you can kind of tell if you want to be with somebody or if you don't want to be with them. Um, so I can definitely see her getting engaged quick. I could definitely see that that being a situation for her, they make a very cute couple. He seems like he has his own money and his own situation. And I feel like that's the perfect vibe for Tamar because she has so much going on. She's a music artist. She's a host. She's doing different shows on, you know, VH1 and hosting on Zeus and having all these other platforms being opened up to her. In addition to working on new music, she really needs a guy that can stand on his own two feet. And this JR guy looks like he can do that. Um, so I'm happy for the couple. We'll see where this goes. All right, let's go into the next topic here. Now, Nicki Minaj is being accused of throwing shade at Megan Thee Stallion in her new remix for Super Freak. It's the Roman remix. And uh, basically what people have been trying to put the pieces together is there's a line in the song where she said, shed a tear, shed a tear. And she kind of keeps saying it. And somebody on Twitter, um, I think it was Shay or something like that on Twitter 
was saying, oh my goodness, I never realized it until now. But when Nikki is saying shed a tear, shed a tear, she is talking about how Megan Thee Stallion has done several interviews talking about the shooting incident with Tory Lanez, but she's never actually cried. Her eyes water up, but she's never actually teared, you know, tears have never like come out of her eyes when she's talking about the, um, the shooting. And this is something that has really, I'm just like, God, I don't know even what to think about it. I know the barb's going to tear me up, but it is what it is. This is my opinion. I really feel like this is not making Nikki look good. You know what I mean? She is married to a man who is a convicted, um, you know, he's been convicted of sexual assault. Uh, her brother, she helped her brother in his case for sexual assault. And now she's siding with Tory Lanez allegedly in this situation of him and Megan um, and the shooting incident, basically saying, you're not shedding tears. This is all fake you know, this man didn't shoot you or whatever. And it's just like, you're just not coming off as a woman that supports women when it comes down to these situations. You're really coming off as someone who does not support women. Now the Roman, the super freak song is going to be a hit. It might even hit number one. We'll find out later today. I think when the billboard stats come in, she's being honored by the VMAs. She's also hosting the VMAs. Um, And there's a lot of good things that are happening. It's like, why take this opportunity to throw shade at Meg now? I just don't understand it. You know, everything that you've been kind of working towards, people are saying she's up for that Grammy, that she might get the Grammy now with Super Freak because she's been passed over so many times in the past for other mega hits that she's had without getting a Grammy. Like, this could be your winning season. Why take that opportunity to now start getting involved in this situation with Meg. Cause I'm just like, I've just never known Meg to go at Nikki like this. They did a collab together. I know since then they've kind of, you know, parted ways, but maybe there's something behind the scenes that Nikki knows that we are not privy to about the situation between her and Tori. It seems like, you know, just in general, certain people have more information about the story. And that's why they've chosen to associate with Tory Lanez because they feel like everything is not out and that he is somehow innocent. I can't see it. I don't know. Um, but until we get all that information, we won't know, you know what I mean? So I don't know why Nikki's going so hard for Megan, but it just, for me, it just seems like a missed opportunity to just gaze in the sun. You know, you're getting the things you want. You're getting another number one, you, you know, the top rated song on, um, iTunes and all the like breaking records for solo female rap, um, in a number one spot and all this stuff that, you know, good things that are coming to you. And it's just like in the remix, you kind of took the opportunity to just go at her. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem regular to me. It doesn't seem like logical to me, but I guess there could be more information that we just don't know about. So, as the story unfolds, as per usual, um, we will get back to you. And I just also wanted to add into that after Shay made that tweet, Nicki Minaj did confirm herself and say, yes, that's what I was referring to when I said shed a tear. So it's not just us reaching, like she actually confirmed that this person was correct when she made that assertion. All right, let's move on to the next topic here. Natalie uh, Nunn is being accused of setting up Krishan Rock. Ooh. 
Now, this was juicy. Let's get into it. So Natalie, of course, is the producer and she's a cast member on Batty South. This is the second season of Baddies where they are basically on a tour bus going from club to club. Um, you know, just making appearances and promoting the brand, which I think is an ingenious idea, right? You're going to the club, you're making club fees, but in the meantime, you are also getting to that baddie's bag um, when it comes down to being able to film everything and put it on Zeus for more money. So shout out to Natalie for that. I think it's a great idea. So in addition to um, everything that's been going on on Baddie South, Krishan Rock's arrest was included in the latest episode. Now, Krishan was arrested um, for an outstanding warrant by the U.S. Marshals. um, And the Marshals basically knew they were being filmed for baddies. They said, you know, we don't care that you're filming. She has an existing warrant in Oklahoma and she knows that she has that warrant. And uh, allegedly that warrant was put out for a car that she was driving of blue faces, Blueface wanted her to come home or whatever the situation was. So he, um, he put the car out there as stolen and that, you know, went into the situation of the car being stolen, the car, you know, she was in possession of the car. She was supposed to go to court and she did not go to court for that. And they put out a bench warrant on her for her arrest. Um, and this is something that Krishan knew about, but of course, nobody's expecting to be arrested by U.S. Marshals while you're being filmed for a reality show and getting back on like basically a tour bus. Right. So then the streets started saying that Natalie Nunn was the one who tipped off officials that Krishan was with her and where they would be so that she could get the arrest on TV um, for her show. And Natalie also, um, went into some assertions about Blueface's mom. Blueface's mom has come out about their crazy relationship and their fighting. And they just, you know, Krishan was arrested again recently, um, for fighting with Blueface and Blueface, you know, said she started it. She hit me first. And so that's why she was arrested and I'm free and all this stuff. And Blueface's mom started making more claims about Krishan Rock. Natalie Nunn jumped in it and said that Blueface's mom was trying to get Krishan Rock's check from Batty South deposited into her account when she dropped her off for the filming of uh, the photo shoot for Batty South. So there's so much going on with that family. That's a whole nother story because there's so much going on with that family. But do I think that Natalie set Krishan up? I don't. I think there are plenty of other people that knew about the travel schedule of Krishan and they could have tipped off the U.S. Marshals for a possible bounty or some type of money um, in, you know, in addition to having tips on how to get to that person. People, you know, post on social media, people promote when the baddies were going to be in different towns it's very possible the U.S. Marshals were even able to follow that schedule and find her and pick her up. Um, When your moves are on social media of where you're going to be, which clubs you're going to be, which appearances you're going to be at, it's not impossible for them to look on your social media and find out where you're going to be. So if you have open warrants, people, do not post where you're going to (laughs) be. 
do not post where you're going to be appearing because they will come pick you up. Like that, that makes complete sense to me. I don't think Natalie had to set Krishan up for good TV. These women have been fighting all season and apparently getting great ratings from it. So I don't think that she did that, but it has been alleged. All right, let's go on here to the last story. Um, the is R&B dead debate. Now, this has also been really heating up. So last week, Diddy uh, tweeted out, you know, who killed R&B? Like, what killed R&B? Who killed R&B? You know, basically just saying, like, R&B is dead. And it really triggered <laughs> a lot of these R&B singers, you know, all these R&B people to kind of jump up in um, his comments and make their own posts. And basically, I collected some of the more interesting ones. And we're going to get into it. This is what people had to say in response to who killed R&B. Now, originally, Diddy was working and talking with Mary J. Blige on this. And she said, it's just like, you know, actual creativity, originality, people bringing something new to R&B just hasn't been happening the way that they did back in the 90s and early 2000s. But she also credited Sam Smith and Adele for putting out their version of what they call blue-eyed soul because it has really helped pick up the R&B movement. People are wanting to actually hear vocalists again, not just dancing or a hot hook or anything like that, like real, real vocals on a track. Um, and then singers like Ariane Ray chimed in and he said that Diddy contributed to killing R&B when he didn't make good on his record deals. You know, Diddy had a lot of R&B singers on Bad Boy um, and none of those people are really still making music like they used to and thriving. Mary J is, but you know, Mary J was a different situation. He worked with her, but he, she wasn't signed um, officially to Bad Boy. So there's other artists that were signed to Bad Boy that are like, yeah, R&B could have been out there. We could have had the Faith Evans's, the B5s and you know, other groups total and other groups that were signed to you that did not, you know, make a lot of money because you were making the money <laughs> on these record deals. And that's something that contributed to killing R&B, you know, if it's even dead or whatever. And he's an R&B artist himself, like an upcoming R&B artist. So that's what he had to say about that. Chris Brown chimed in and he said that radio does not support R&B and it doesn't push it. It's like he also said, you know, when's the last time that you've ever seen a slow song really make it into the rotations on um, on the radio? And to that, I say he has a point. You know, we used to have more R&B stations. Now everything is like hip hop and rap stations and because it's that it's not gonna be as much R&B it's faster music it's just more rap and hip-hop music it's not necessarily R&B like you would have to go to like a serious radio or something like that like a Pandora to listen to a radio station that's like a an R&B only station there's not many R&B stations that are still just playing R&B anymore and if they are it's not R&B usually from new artists it's like classic R&B um, from artists from the sixties and seventies, eighties and stuff like that. So I think he has a point there. And then Mario responded, um, basically in a way of, I'm not going to talk about, it, I'm gonna be about it. And he started singing end of the road, 
uh, by Boys to Men acapella, and he just put in the caption, you know, R&B's not dead. So I guess he's working on some music. He already showed us in the verses his chops and his singing ability that he really takes it seriously, his singing, um, and he's not out here to play with anybody about his singing, but that R&B's not dead, that he's working on new projects and stuff like that. I'd be happy to see some new projects um, that Mario would put out. But it's like right after the verses, he worked with Tory Lanez, which was very controversial. And I feel like he just kind of killed his momentum right there that he had built up through doing the verses and really crushing Amorion and just like really showing off his vocal skills. All of that kind of just fell apart when he worked with Tory Lanez. So I don't know. I mean... I'm looking forward to more projects from him, but a collab with him and Tori, I'm not looking forward to that. Just put it out there. And I think that as many people as support him, there are the same amount of people that don't. And it's very polarizing to work with an artist like that. I don't know why he would do that. But again, even back to the Nicki Minaj thing, it seems like deep in Black Hollywood or whoever he's associated with, People know the truth and they are siding with Tori because they know more information than we do. So for that, I guess I'll have to just wait for the rest of that information to come out. But these have been our trending topics for the week. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our sports report and the deep dive. They're coming right up after these messages from our sponsors. Hello, hello, hello out there and welcome to the Sports Update with J-Rob. Today I will be covering both the NBA and the NFL. So let's get started with the NBA. The LA Lakers have signed forward LeBron James to a two-year extension worth $97.1 million. Also in NBA news, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade are executive producers for The Redeem Team, a Netflix documentary on the 2008 men's Olympic basketball team. Now we're going to move to NFL news. We are now in week two of the NFL preseason, and this is how the games went down. The Dallas Cowboys beat the Los Angeles Chargers. The Cowboys wide receiver, Cavante Turbin, had one kickoff and one punt return touchdown. The Pittsburgh Steelers defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars. Rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett completed six passes for 76 yards and one touchdown. The Las Vegas Raiders beat the Miami Dolphins. The Raiders are undefeated in preseason play. The San Francisco 49ers defeated the Minnesota Vikings. The 49ers outscored the Vikings 11-0 in the second half. The Tennessee Titans beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Titans' defense held the Bucs to just three points in the game. The Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Washington Commanders. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes completed 12 passes for 162 yards and two touchdowns. The Baltimore Ravens defeated the Arizona Cardinals. Ravens tight end Isaiah Likely caught eight passes for 100 yards and one touchdown. The Buffalo Bills blew out the Denver Broncos. The Bills 
outscored the Broncos 28-6 in the first half and cruised to victory. The Detroit Lions beat the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts scored a late fourth quarter touchdown but failed to convert the two-point conversion which would have tied the game. The Houston Texans defeated the Los Angeles Rams. Three Texans quarterbacks threw a touchdown pass in this game. The Green Bay Packers beat the New Orleans Saints. Packers defense held the Saints scoreless in the second half. The New England Patriots defeated the Carolina Panthers. Panthers quarterback Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield did not play in this game as the quarterback competition cooled off. The Chicago Bears blew out the Seattle Seahawks. The Bears were up 24-3 going into the fourth quarter and won this game easily. The New York Giants beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Giants quarterback Davis Webb completed 22 passes for 204 yards and two touchdowns. And the Philadelphia Eagles defeated the Cleveland Browns. The Eagles defense only allowed the Browns offense to convert four out of 12 third downs. And this has been the Sports Update with J-Rob. Have an awesome week. All right, T-Crew, let's get into my favorite part of the podcast. This is the part of the podcast where I get to shine a light on something that I've been thinking about for the last week or something that I feel like has not been talked about more. And today we're going to talk about Nickelodeon getting exposed and what happened in those TV shows that Nickelodeon cast in the 90s and 2000s. So let's just get let's just get straight into it. Um, So Nickelodeon is a children's network that dominated the 90s and 2000s with their original cartoons and original kid centered sitcoms. Right. So we're talking about SpongeBob, CatDog, um, Angry Beavers, uh, Rugrats, um, Our Real Monsters. I mean, these were all Nickelodeon shows and even over Cartoon Network and Disney, Nickelodeon seemed to dominate when it came down to these cartoons and then the sitcom shows like iCarly, Sam and Cat, um, all that, The Amanda Show, Kenan and Kel, Um, all of these shows were major hits and they were all done under Nickelodeon. Now these sitcoms starred children's stars like Kenan Thompson, Kel Mitchell, Amanda Bynes, Jeanette McCurdy, Ariana Grande, and Melinda Crossgrove. And these people have all gone on to have big, um, celebrity names in addition to doing movies. Amanda Bynes did tons of movies in the early 90s and in the late 90s and 2000s. Kenan Thompson is a longtime member on SNL. Kel Mitchell has had his own shows variously over the years, um, especially with Clifford, um, the cartoon Clifford the Big Red Dog. He was featured in that. He was featured on some game show stuff. Um, and he's just been in Hollywood working off of the shows that he was in in the early 90s and 2000s. Jeanette McCurdy went on to have her own show, Sam and Cat, after working on iCarly. And everybody knows Ariana Grande went on to be a huge star, um, a huge music star with multi 
platinum albums and singles. So these people went somewhere after they left Nickelodeon. But what actually happened to them on Nickelodeon and why do none of them want to talk about their experience? That's what we're going to get into today. So these kids were scouted by known child predators that were working on the show as producers, cameramen, just associated with the show in different ways. Um, And they had these camps, these acting camps that kids would go to that were designed to help the producers like Dan Schneider and others find children um, that are talented that they wanted to build shows around. So unlike other networks, what Nickelodeon would do is scout the talent first. They would go out and find the kids first. And then based on the, the kids that they found, what their talents were, they would build a show around them. When they had the idea for all that, they wanted to do like a sketch comedy show like an SNL, but for kids. And they were looking for kids that could do prop comedy, comedy, like skit comedy, kids that could really make someone laugh out of nothing, like kids that just were infectious and really funny. And they found the first cast of all that and they began to work with them. Um, after they had that big hit, Dan Schneider began to hold these camps where him and other producers that had an affliction for wanting children, um, were on these shows and they were basically telling them, you know, they were having pool parties. They were there without, um, parental vision. There was no like camp counselors. There was no people that were really there, um, on behalf of the children, it was more so people that were there on behalf of the network, whatever's good for the network. So these kids were basically out there defenseless, trying to make their dreams come true and get onto Nickelodeon shows, knowing that these camps were full of Nickelodeon producers, directors, and higher ups that would be basically make or breaking their careers. And a lot of people allege that many careers were made at these quote unquote pool parties where they just stood around and watched these children. Now, Nickelodeon films in Orlando, Florida, where the child labor laws are more lax and this allowed the kids to work longer hours and film seasons very quickly. This is also important to the success of the shows, right? There was never a lack in episodes when it came down to the Nickelodeon best shows. I do not remember them having season gaps. And what that means is normally... When you watch a show, you'll watch a complete season and then there'll be, you know, five, six, eight weeks in between seasons where there'll be no more content for that season and you'll have to watch another show or they'll play reruns or whatever. When it came down to these shows, there was barely any season gaps. If all that wasn't on, Amanda, the Amanda show was on. And if the Amanda show wasn't on, Keenan and Kel was on. So these kids were working long, crazy, crazy hours, and the Florida labor laws were allowing them to do that. Now, parents were immediately separated because people always ask, where are the parents in these situations? Parents are immediately separated from their children to ensure complete compliance in whatever was going on on set. Parents were not allowed on set. And if they had parents that were too close to their child and would not allow their child to be away from them on set or whatever was going on with the, with the show, they were asked, you know, to leave. They were fired. Their contracts are broken. All of that stuff has been documented in various YouTube videos. These parents have gone on and talked about how 
They did not want their children to go to parties unattended, to be on set unattended. Some of these kids, you know, six to eight years old, they were not going to leave their child. And because of that, their child was not allowed to continue on and become big stars on Nickelodeon. Only those kids that their parents basically turned them over were able to flourish and really work and get jobs in Nickelodeon on different shows. And if they were cast in a show as a as an ensemble person to get their own show, they definitely had to be broken apart from their parents. Um, while no one made direct physical claims against Dan Schneider or any of the other producers, several stars claimed um, intimidation and emotional abuse at the hands of Dan Schneider and these other Nickelodeon producers. They were screamed at, they were praised one minute and then screamed at another minute. They were influenced to go to um, parties where alcohol and drugs were present as children, they were allowed to take these substances. They were encouraged to be in relationships with other Nickelodeon castmates. Um, just really, really inappropriate things that were allowed to go on because there were no parents there and the producers and directors really ran the show. Um, Jeanette McCurdy of iCarly and Sam and Cat wrote a book about her time on Nickelodeon and everything that happened to her as a child actor. And she basically talked about Dan Schneider um, in, you know, under an alias, she called him the creator or something like that. But people have put the pieces together. She's talking about Dan Schneider. He was honored by Nickelodeon even after these allegations came out. And many of these stars came to support him and recognize him. Noticeably absent was Jeanette McCurdy and Ariana Grande. They, neither one of them showed up. And I think Melissa Cosgrove also didn't show up, but there were a lot of stars that did show up to support him. So, I mean, a lot of people would say intimidation and people kind of threatening to ruin your career and stuff like that is part of um, the job when you're an actor, when you're a performer, when you're the talent, you know what I mean? But the thing about it that makes it disturbing is it's kids. And to allow adults that have issues and have, you know, a weird connection with children to actually work with children. I mean, he's in the Good Burger movie. He's plays the boss in the Good Burger movie. It's just like it kind of taints everything that we enjoyed as children to know that they were under this kind of scrutiny. And the fact that nobody's directly saying, no, Dan would never do that. But they're also not saying that he did because they just don't want to be involved in the situation kind of lets me know that something definitely has been happening. Um, And all these people would not be, you know, coiling at his presence if it hadn't been. Um, And it's terrible. I I hope that since then, Nickelodeon and um, Orlando, Florida as a whole has made these labor laws different for children. Parents need to be on set. They need to be involved in everything that's going on because the kids do not have advocates in this situation. And if, you know, you're a parent who's interested in getting their child into child acting, you definitely want to get some type of guardian or guardian liaison. If they do not want you to be present as the parent, they need to get somebody in there to, um, to facilitate and be able to speak on behalf of your child because 
You don't want your child going through something like this just to be on TV and to be a star. They could have these dreams. They could have these ideas that they want to be in front of the camera. It could be their, you know, their motivation to want to do that. And that's fine. But you have to put these safeguards in place because these people will take advantage of your children and you don't want, you know, this to be the situation with them being hugely successful but having all this baggage and these people are young, they're like 22, 23, and just really going through mental breakdowns, mental and physical breakdowns based on the things that happened to them when they were a child, when they were working for Nickelodeon. So it's, it's really a problem. And it's really something to think about when you get your kids involved in these programs, because once the damage is done, you can have therapy, you can have whatever, but A lot of times it's done and there's really nothing that people can do except with live with their trauma. And um, in my opinion, it's not worth it. I think it's disgusting what people like Dan have done. Um, And even more disgusting, in my opinion, on behalf of Nickelodeon to hear the rumors, to know what's going on, but also know that you're making tons and buckets of money off of the shows that he's produced and keep him around for all these years. And then when you finally separate from him, they gave him like a $40 million payout or something like that. Um, and it's just, to me, that's the part that's even more gross. You've made money off the backs of these children for years. You have not protected them. And then you pay off their alleged abuser. It's just sick to me that that's the part that I just can't, (laughs) I can't reconcile with that part. There's like, there's no reason. There's absolutely no reason for that to have been happening. But this has been the deep dive for today. Stay tuned for our outro comments. All right, T-Crew, this is my least favorite part of the podcast where I have to say goodbye to you. As always, thank you guys so much for sharing the pod, participating in polls, liking the stuff on our Instagram and our Facebook. It really helps to get us out there to the community. In addition to that, if you want to support the podcast, you can watch the reels that we post on Facebook every week. Watching reels helps us to accumulate income because they are monetized. So if that's something you're interested in, we would greatly appreciate you going on there and watching a few reels. They're only 15 seconds each. Um, In addition to that, of course, convict the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. We won't rest until she gets the justice that she rightly deserves. Have a beautiful day or night wherever you are. And I love you for listening. Bye.